The episode you're about to listen to was recorded before the unfortunate passing of Mean Jane Oakland. Therefore, we don't talk about it in the episode. We will talk about our memories of Mean Jane in our next episode. But until then, please enjoy Royal Rumble 1990. Yo, little hoaxers! Hulkamania is stronger than it's ever been! The pythons are pumped! We're on a roll, man! We're the lone survivors! We survived the no holds barred cage match! And now, the Royal Rumble is right around the corner. This is our chance to prove that Hulkamania is at its peak. I may get the chance to prove that I can beat 29 men at one time. You know, they're drawing numbers at random. Maybe one, maybe three, maybe number 15, maybe 30. But I'm praying, guys, that I get number one because I can't wait to unload on each and every one of those guys. I'd like to beat them all, stack them up in a pile, and pit all 29 of them together in the Royal Rumble. What you gonna do when Hulkamania rumbles over you? So take me away, I don't mind, but you better promise me I'll be back in time. Gotta get back in time. Hello and welcome to another episode of Back God Almighty! Wrestling Review, the show where we crack open some lovely cans. Get those cans cracked, lads. That's a lovely can. And have a chat about pro wrestling of yesteryear, one pay-per-view at a time. As always, my name is Graham, and I am joined by Mickey and Goofy here. Dave. <laughs> Hello. And Derm. How are you? How are you, lads? Hello. Yeah, no good. <laughs> are you Mickey or are you Mickey or Goofy? I don't know. Uh, who knows? <laughs> No, yeah, no, I'm, I'm fine. I'm so fine. we're into the 90s. <laughs> yes. Into the 90s. Here we are. The new decade. Yeah, it's the 90s. Nothing much has changed, really. It's the first pay-per-view. It is WF's Royal Rumble. A couple of things to note before we get into it is, since our last WF pay-per-view, we've crowned some new tag team champions on the December 13th episode of Superstars. The Colossal Connection, Haku and Andre the Giant, defeated Demolition, bringing an end to their 72-day second reign. Another little weird thing of note, we'll hark all the way back to our very first episode, I don't know Ooh. if you remember. Do you recall when we were talking about the promotion of WrestleMania 1, Hulk Hogan and Mr. T appeared on the Richard Belzer show, and he put the uh, oh, Belzer in yeah. a front yeah. face lock? Well, this is how long it took. Jury selection for, like, Belzer was going to sue Hogan for $5 million. Jury selection was only going to take place in the first week of January. This five, year? Yeah, 1990. Holy shit. Uh, but instead, uh, they settled out of court for an undisclosed sum. So it took a good f- like five years to just anything <laughs> to happen. Another interesting thing that's happened around this time is the WWF were in a contract renegotiations with pay-per-view provider Viewer's Choice. And in order to create leverage, for some months they told fans on TV that Viewer's Choice weren't going to be showing the Royal Rumble or WrestleMania 6. And they urged fans to ring their pay-per-view provider and demand that they show the events. Oh yeah, they were uh, in the last show, didn't they? Yeah, but this of course was a big fucking lie. And Vince McMahon was just doing it to create a kind of false demand. Yeah. So he could get bigger cuts of the pay-per-view boys. Right, shall we get on with them? Let's do it. Yeah. 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 Before we get into okay, the show, sorry. had either of you ever seen this before? Uh, no. I first time. Had seen I think I'd seen the submission match, but at the time I didn't realise how ridiculous it was. It was just like <laughs> wrestling. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I think that's about it. I think it might have been on like some compilation thing I've seen. Year, like like on a 
best of the 90s or some fucking thing you know something yeah. ridiculous that's about it what about you I was trying to work it out I figured that I definitely did see it at some stage because I know around this time in the lead up to Wrestlemania 6 that my brothers and myself and the guys that lived on our road were having Royal Rumbles okay. in our garden yeah. so we must have been familiar with okay, the concept yeah, of the a Royal Rumble, Rumble yeah. but yeah. I don't actually remember anything from it Yeah. but I do remember the lead up to Wrestlemania 6 because one of my brothers was mad into Hogan the other one was mad into Warrior Cells right. they scraps you, all the time who are you mad into? Who do you think, Graham? The Warrior. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Dave, you hadn't seen anything? No, I hadn't seen anything oh, from okay. it, now. Right, so it is Royal Rumble 1990. Every man for himself. Royal Rumble, where it's every man for himself. The 30 participants include the Ultimate Warrior, the Hokey Talk Man, the Macho King Randy Savage, Rowdy Roddy Piper, Andre the Giant, Superfly Jimmy Stucker, Bad News Brown, Shawn Michaels, Haku, and Demolition Axe, along with the model Rick Martel, Coco Beware, the Hitman Bret Hart, the Warlord, the Mighty Hercules, Ravishing Rick Rude, Marty Jannetty. Mr. Perfect! Demolition Smash! Jake the Snake Roberts! Jim the Anvil Nightheart! The Barbarian! Dusty Rhodes the American Dream! Tito Santana! Akeem! The Red Rooster! The Earthquake! The Million Dollar Man! Ted DiBiase! Tito Bravo! January 21st, 1990, from the Orlando Arena in Orlando, Florida. The first ever wrestling pay-per-view from Florida, not just WF, but wrestling in general. It's kind of a hotbed now, Florida, isn't it? It's where they yeah, all live. And yeah. on. The attendance was a 16,000 sellout, even though Tony Schiavone keeps saying 18,000. But that's wrestling for you, isn't it? Before the show kicked off, there was a dark match in which Paul Roma defeated the Brooklyn Brawler. Ooh. So we opened with the voice of Vince running down... The list of all 30 participants in the Royal Rumble. And he also lets us know the other matches on the card. Dave, I believe you really enjoyed this. Well, I think we yeah, all really the, enjoyed this. The typical we? guttural Vince McMahon voice. Yeah, it was. He really wanted you to know the 30 participants, didn't he? Yeah. Red Rooster! <laughs> <laughs> but when he came out to lads who weren't so... I know the Red Rooster is, is a lower down card. But when it came to like... It'd be like... Ravishing Rick Rude! Shawn Michaels. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I did like the way they separated the tag teams out and did each one individually. And yeah, never like said de- their tag team name. Yeah, that was kind of cool. Because every man for themselves. That's the tagline, yeah. isn't it? We then go to our commentators, Tony Schiavone. Uh, this will be his last WWF appearance until a random episode of Raw in 2001. And Jesse the Body Ventura in very Disneyland garb because they're obviously in Florida where Walt Disney World is. He looks a bit fucking... Like, for Jesse Ventura, he even looks ridiculous. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And Absolutely. His, his quips about Mickey and Goofy, like... Exactly what the Royal Rumble is. Not even Mickey Mouse and Goofy could get in here. And you know what? I caught them both trying to sneak in the back door. Ha! Huh, they ain't never gonna try that again. It's funny when he said it, but then when he repeated it, it was like, yeah, we heard you. <laughs> yeah, we, you didn't let them in, okay? We got it. We, we get it. He uh, bought uh, Shivani a Goofy cap, but... Uh, 
Well, he, seemed, he, he, yeah. he didn't seem too pleased. So our first match is the fabulous Rougeau's Jacques and Raymond versus the Bushwhackers Butch and Luke. The poor fucking Rougeau's being stuck with these cunts. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like they've been feuding all the way since WrestleMania Five, where the Bushwhackers beat them in a tag team match, and then at Survivor Series '89 they were on opposing teams. The Bushwhackers team won, even though all four men were eliminated. And here we are again, same tag team match, yeah. same same opponent. So the Bushwhackers do some comedy stalling at the start. They get the upper hand for the first few minutes, but after taking a breather outside, the Rougeaus get heat on Luke for a long time, including a double guillotine across the top rope and a nice flying back elbow from Jacques. Luke bites his opponent multiple times to try and escape, but the heels keep knocking Butch off the apron to stop the tag. Luke gets his knees up when Jacques tries a big splash, tags in Butch, and the Bushwhackers clean house. They set up for the battering ram, but Jimmy Hart interferes. They pull Jimmy in the ring and attempt a wishbone leg splitter, but the Rougeaus make the save. Raymond puts Butch in a Boston Crab and Luke makes the save and as the Rougeaus are regrouping the Bushwhackers hit Jock from behind with the battering ram and pin him at 13 and a half minutes. It was a fairly standard tag match wasn't it? Yeah. There was nothing really special about it I didn't think. Fairly kind of it was you know I would say it was even below standard tag match. Yeah I guess so. There I'm was not going to really blame sh- any of that on nothing the shown from it, like No. I think the bushwhackers are very bad. The only thing about the, the only thing I will say for the bushwhackers is their uh, synchronicity. Yeah, the way they move their arms up and down yeah. at the same, <laughs> exact yeah. same time. They're very good at their synchronicity. <laughs> they get a reaction from they the crowd. They're, they're over. Like they're licking what? people's heads and biting the refs' ass and everything. Yeah, like it's yeah. stupid, but it works for them. So fair play to them. Yeah. If we take a minute to talk about uh, Jacques' beard. Yeah. Why is it so great? It's it's gonna be uh, that's unfortunately the only the only pay per view appearance of Jacques Beard. Damn it! And we should take a moment to mention their entrance music as well. Yeah, because it'll mm. be the last time we hear it, and it's the highlight of the match. Yeah, we'll, we'll so we'll, we'll put it in here for a brief moment. Tell me, where are they going after this? What's, what, what happens? What's their future? What does the well, future hold since, for the Rouge Brothers? Since Survivor Series, uh, Raymond has had a back, a lot of back problems, as a lot of wrestlers would. They worked hard at the, that period of time. So he was kind of working a, 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 se- a semi-retired yeah. schedule. They both leave the WWF, where Jacques could work the indie scene. And we'll see him back in about 91 as the Mountie. Oh, and yeah, then he'd, yeah, wo- he'd work under his real name as well later on in the mid-90s and stuff like that. Raymond, however, he retired and then he worked as a backstage interviewer between 93 and 94. But he also worked as a French language commentator for pay-per-views and syndicated TV from 92 to 2002. Well, you might have seen him on WWF pay-per-views as he's the French commentator since 2017. Yeah, yeah, I've definitely yeah, seen him. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, it's kind of cool that he's still doing shit yeah. with WWE it's pretty It's pretty cool it's kind of sad to see the end of them because I think yeah, they're good so it really yeah, is I think like they're good like, the end of them like, yeah. yeah no they were fucking great workers yeah like, they're, they they're, 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 they're athletic they can sell that was and a nice kip up he did they, nice can, they can do they can do the, the cheesy comedy shit but they can also do the like technical wrestling if needs be I like them. Like I think they did a good job in this match of like cutting the bushwhackers off and keeping them in yeah, the corner. The classic did. kind of tag team thing. And I think I came into this match with very low expectations because I'd seen it before at the last pay per view and it wasn't great. And because the bushwhackers, but I think because the Rougeaus had the majority of the offense in this match, it was actually yeah better than I expected. If they'd done it like a fifty fifty, or the bushwhackers had like got a lot more, it would have been 
much shitter match. Yeah. yeah. To be honest, which I think better than expected, you could say about a lot of this card as well. Yeah, well, yeah. I don't expect a lot from it. Yeah, you know. <laughs> like, if you read it, you'd go, oh, okay. Yeah, okay, I'm not really excited to watch this. Yeah. We should also mention Jimmy Hart out there. That's yeah, mullet one mullet one. being. I'd also yeah, like. Definitely. I'd also like to say Jimmy Hart's suit is fucking great. With mm. that, um, I, I don't, I don't know, know the French word, either. something de fleur. <laughs> That's what you know. But it, uh, from Quebec, obviously, yeah. it's, it's pretty fucking cool. It's great too. We get a backstage interview with Ted DiBiase and Virgil. Ted DiBiase is very pissed off, mm-hmm. and reason being, he has drawn number one in the Royal Rumble. He hasn't drawn. Virgil oh, sorry, Druid Virgil for him. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. the bastard. That's fair enough. But it is kind of cool. He's. I think it's a good in, uh, promo. What about you? It's class promo. Yeah. yeah. And I think I think Ted DiBiase's whole thing at this event is deadly. I think it's brilliant. Oh yeah, we'll get onto that when yeah. we get to the Rumble yeah. match itself. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, and the whole thing of him buying into Thirty last year, and the story this time around. You know, I, I like it. I think yeah, it's pretty no, great. Very good. Very yeah, no, good. excellent yeah. storytelling, really. So we get to match number two, and it is The Genius versus Brutus the Barber Beefcake. And The Genius has a little poem for us. Do you want to read it out for us, Darren? Please do. Come on, Darren. Okay. Yeah. Are we ready? We're ready. Behold the barber. What's his name? With scissors in hand. I can't do this. (laughs) Intellectually inferior and totally outmanned. He wants to give my genius hairdo an aesthetic augmentation so I could be the joke of this World Wrestling Federation. (laughs) All his cutting and his strutting may be quick enough for some, but I'm the world's smartest man and beefcake's double dumb. Is that it? You like like poetry. (laughs) I didn't like... Alright, I'd just like to clarify something. I'm not a fan of poetry at all. No, I know. (laughs) Oh no, you are, you are, you are. Yeah. <laughs> did you enjoy did you enjoy the meter no I didn't you didn't I didn't enjoy anything about it I didn't enjoy the rhyming scheme I didn't enjoy the I'm going to be honest I really liked the fact that he got aesthetic augmentation in there because that's a big word lots think, of syllables I think it's yeah the, 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 the faces that he was making the camera are very disconcerting as well okay actually everything he does in this match is quite disconcerting even yeah I'll, I'll get to it <laughs> <laughs> he's quite the heel though he is. He's a pair, he's a brilliant tip. I know we've seen the genius before, but this is his first match. So, who is the genius? Lanny Poffo, the younger brother of Randy Savage, debuted way back in 1973 and was trained by his father Angelo. He wrestled around various NWA territories and became a star in his father's Kentucky promotion, ICW. Not in, not um, insane yeah, championship yeah. wrestling in Scotland. <laughs> international championship wrestling. Oh. It was yes. Just in case. You were confused. He came to the WWF in 1985 after his father's promotion folded and started out as Leaping Lanny Poffo, who'd write derogatory poems about his heel opponents on frisbees and then throw the frisbees into the crowd. <laughs> uh, and during a time when the WWF was running its own bunkhouse-style uh, no-disqualification battle royals, he'd come to the ring in full knight's armour. <laughs> oh my god! Which is gas. Uh, he turned heel in March of 89 and was repackaged as the genius. So there's no real background to this. The background basically is he's Mr. Perfect's best mate, the genius is, and Beefcake's Hogan's best mate. Yeah. And they were in the kind of main event feud around this time, which I'll talk about when we get to the Rumble. So that's kind of literally the only background to this. 
Beefcake enters to a pretty good pop. After some effeminate prancing to stall <laughs> yeah, from the genius, the match gets underway. Lighting his loafers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the genius goes straight for the oars and walks over Beefcake with a punch kick style offense, including a near fall from a drop kick. A few minutes later, after another near fall, genius flies off the middle rope, but is caught by Beefcake on the way down, and the barber does his comeback. He tries to apply the sleeper, but the genius rakes the eyes again to escape, and in the melee, the ref is knocked out of the ring. Beefcake successfully puts on the sleeper hold and puts genius to sleep, but there's no ref to call it. He gets his scissors and starts cutting the genius's hair until Mr. Perfect runs down and hits Beefcake with a perfect plex and then attacks him with a chair. The ref comes to and calls for a double disqualification just past the 11 minute mark. I think what you said earlier, Dave, is surprising. Surprisingly better than you thought it would be. Yeah, yeah. I still think Beefcake is crap. Mm. No, yeah. I think I think the genius showed signs of being pretty good. Yeah. Uh, in terms of just in jet like of being act- of, athletic it, and stuff like that. Definitely, and yeah. in terms of his character as yeah, well. Yeah. Even that that whole effeminate prancing yeah. as well. It's just like doing the cartwheels. It turns the heat up like. Oh yeah, it, yeah. especially in that period. Yeah, of time, yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, I think I think it was better than expected, but. Beefcake is bad. Yeah. <laughs> Beefcake has never really like he's always just been there. You know, like a, you know the usual kind of punch and chopping. Yeah, he's never slam. shown so nothing never special. Never shown signs of improvement or change yeah. or anything, no. has he? He, um, I just I don't know. And why the double DQ? Like, well, that's surely, a, that's so a questionable much... decision, yeah. I suppose. But um, yeah, the genius is actually coming off a win over Hulk Hogan, a countout win. But a win over Hogan win in, over in that Hogan time regardless, is massive. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I'll talk about that win more because that leads into the perfect Hogan feud. Yeah, I think, honestly, I feel the best part about this match is when Mr. Perfect came out. Oh, yeah. like He's great. Delivered a lovely perfect plex. Lovely perfect plex. Even, like, he's smart because when he picked up the chair from ringside, it was a padded chair. But he uses... But the, he uses the steel edge mm, as opposed to just... Yeah. Sw- like, if Beefcake was the one doing that, he would have swung with the padded side. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't have any intuition. He's just... Punch kick, like you said, punch kick, slam, clothesline. It's all he knows. I can't actually remember Beefcake ever doing a move apart from like an atomic drop and a sleeper. Yeah, that's literally his entire. Offense. Oh, he does a high knee as well the odd time. Yeah, <laughs> but then again, if you're best mates with Hogan and he's just going, you don't have to work, do you? Yeah. And also, I'm happy that his like his gear isn't as revealing as it has been. Oh yeah, time. he's definitely he's definitely you know. Stopped cutting his clothes. Yeah, like the la- like the the Latin commentary, fucking Ventura Giovanni, were just like, oh well, it looks like maybe this is the style of the nineties, like you, you know. Jesus. I like, well, it's fucking better than the style of the eighties. Yeah. <laughs> you were talking about the atomic drop there. Beefcake does hit an atomic drop in this match, and Genius sells it like in that feminine prank. Instead of just yeah. holding his at, like he does it really like camp the yeah. way he sells like his. Oh, my bum is sore. <laughs> <laughs> It's brilliant. I think he's, he's very underrated. Yeah, well, like... And it's crazy he didn't get further considering he's Randy Savage's younger brother. Yeah, definitely. You know, it's, yeah. it's mad, yeah. yeah and from, he is talented. From all accounts, though, he was... A bit of a prick. Well, no, or he was... a weirdo. Well, that too, but in like when he worked as Lanny Poffo, he was able to be a much better worker, whereas when he was the genius, it was just more about entertainment. Yeah. But you can still see, as you were saying, all the athleticism. Yeah. Like, he does a front flip and a cartwheel and... Just even the way he gets in and out of the ring the whole time is deadly. Yeah, it's brilliant. But, uh, yeah, no, I would actually like to see some of his earlier work. See his unbelievable bridge on his bridging suplex. Oh, yeah. 
best there is ever. Best there is, he says. Uh, he's already he's already been replaced on commentary for the next uh, show for New Japan. I just saw that today. They got Chuck Taylor instead. Hardly surprising. Yeah. Gonna... Oh, oh, lovely can. And that leads us on to a backstage interview with the Heenan family: Rick Rude, Haku, Andre the Giant, and Bobby Heenan. Uh, Sean Mooney stores the fucking shit here. He, he fucking really he's like. I sense some dissension. And they're all grand. There's no dissension. They're all mates. Whatsoever. And he's like, so I sense dissension. fucking what are you the going to do if it comes down to you and Andre Haku? What are you going to do, huh? <laughs> what are you going to you going to fight him? You're going to fight him? <laughs> Lads, Rick Rude is gorgeous. Yeah, Rick Rude. <laughs> once again proving this is an upper body business. Upper body business. <laughs> <laughs> A fucking size that cunt. <laughs> but not his legs. No, um, no. That's what before we, were we actually move on from... Yeah. The last match. Oh, sorry. Uh, There's a mullet to count. Beefcake. Yeah. Beefcake has beefcake, a mullet. Yeah, yeah. That's Papo two. just long hair or mullet, I'd say. Long oh, hair. Oh. oh. Damn, you have to decide and vote here. Well, you know, I want to say mullet. I know. But I'm not really sure. He's kind of got bangs. He yeah, he does have bangs as a pose. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah no. You can still consider it business at the front, but is yeah. it really? No, it's a nah. business. Business uh, casual. It's, it's a business like you know. Uh, it's business like a food truck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's not like not like you know an accountancy firm. Nah, yeah. So let's not call it in there. Let's not call it. Too, it. So we're too. on our second not mullet of the evening. So after that backstage interview, we go to match number three, which is a submission match between Greg the Hammer Valentine, who has a mullet, thing being, versus rugged Ronnie Garvin. So who may as well fucking have a mullet. He has a lovely flat Any top. fucking effort into it, he could have a mullet. <laughs> yeah, he could. <laughs> but he doesn't. No. Great flat yeah. top. So that we've kind of seen the background of this in December of 88. So over a year ago, Valentine beat Garvin in a match with a handful of tights. And then in April of 89, on an episode of Superstars, Garvin got his win back. So the following week, they had a retirement match with Valentine won with dodgy tactics, you know, yourself, the heels. So Garvin was forced into retirement. He became a referee where he'd attack heels and, uh, you know, favour the faces. Uh, So he was suspended by WWF President Jack Tunney for that. Then he was a special ring announcer in our SummerSlam 89 episode where he slagged... Was awful. Awful. uh, Slagged Greg Valentine and then... Knocked him out with um, the hand of stone, you know, yourself. Yeah. Pissed off Greg Valentine asked for him to be reinstated, which he was. And now they're going to have a submission match. So another little pointer to this match is for a time, Valentine has been wearing a shin guard, which he flips around onto his calf when he applies the figure four for more pressure, which he's been calling the heartbreaker. So for this match, Garvin has a shin guard of his own, which he calls the hammer jammer. Do you not like the hammer jammer term? Uh, I really like the hammer jammer. I like the hammer I like jammer. It, I like the way it was called that as well. Yeah. Like, you know? <laughs> I did like the name, but I didn't really understand the logic of it. But it's grand. It's wrestling, man. Yeah. It's fucking. It's wrestling. Double jobber entrance. No music for either of them. They're both in the ring when the when the camera cuts back. So the two lads take turns hurling vicious <laughs> chops and punches at one another. Oh my god! <laughs> the fucking this. noise of them. Holy And noise. right to the face from oh, Garvin as well. It's, like. They're cracking them. Uh, so both men attempt pins throughout this match, despite <laughs> oh, it being... Multiple times. Despite it being a submission match, but Jesse does a good job at first of covering them on commentary, saying, oh, well, they're used to going for pinfalls, blah, blah, blah. But after a while, they're like, ah, lads. 
Valentine attempts a figure four, the fourth submission of the match, but is kicked off and rolled up by Garvin, who again has to be reminded it's submission only. Valentine later <laughs> successfully locks on the figure four, but because Garvin is wearing the hammer jammer, it doesn't have any effect, and Garvin mocks him while in the hold. Did you like the faces? Uh, oh, yeah. Rugged was Ronnie gas. was pulling. I, I it was really very did. funny. <laughs> uh, with, like, like, actually, because his faces were just so like childish yeah. and innocent it all almost kind of made sense that he just kept forgetting that it was a submission match because he's just a fucking Egypt like yeah, well, he, he's not Duggan levels of fucking Egypt though but no he, yeah, no no it, it is very it is very funny they take turns trying submission hose then with Valentine trying a Canadian backbreaker and Garvin with an Indian deathlock but neither man gives up both men go down after some more stiff fucking brawling Jesus. how stiff is the term how stiff Go on, say Stiffer it. than three pedos in a play. Yeah, three. Yeah, three. I'd say hell. so. And Jimmy Hart removes the hammer jammer during the double down, allowing Valentine to properly put on the figure four leg lock. Garvin reverses it briefly, but Valentine reverses it back and goes to work on the leg. Valentine goes up top, but Garvin throws him off and removes the heartbreaker. Valentine tries to use the hammer jammer as a weapon, but Garvin strikes first with the heartbreaker. Puts on a sharpshooter, which Tony Schiavone calls a reverse, reverse figure four. Yeah, what the fuck? And oh. Valentine submits just shy of the 17-minute mark. This was deadly. Like, <laughs> this was this this was shit like, out of each other. This was just like watching a, a never-open-weight title match from Wrestle Kingdom. Like, I don't know, I saw Ishii and Suzuki recently. And, like, for 1990, this was... The closest it's a thing very, you're gonna see. Like, it's a very NWA match, not a WWF match, not isn't at it? All. Yeah, like, agreed. Yeah, I mean, Ronnie Garvin versus uh, Flair is where the the pedo saying originated, yeah. and he doesn't give a fuck. No, does he? he is a mad bastard. Like <laughs> he's a bit simple. Uh, but like he's I mean, tough from an actual psychological built match wrestling wise. This isn't great because no. they don't go for submissions until I'd say three quarters of the way in. They keep forgetting. They keep forgetting it. They keep forgetting match. it's a submission match, and it's only after like they don't work over any limbs apart no. from their faces. Uh, you know what I mean? Uh, so it's a it's a bit ridiculous. <laughs> but face from an absolute entertainment standpoint, this was a cracker. Oh, it was a cr- if you if you cracker, just yeah. if you just look at this as a scrap, I think the term is was it a knockdown drag out brawl that just fits this perfect. It's yeah. violent and ridiculous, and I I loved it. Yeah, no. Yeah, no, it was great. Yeah. Really enjoyed it. Yeah, there was one point where I felt that was it. I, I think it was Valentine that was going to go for the the Garvin stomp. Oh yeah, on on Garvin. Yeah, and I was like, "Are you fucking serious? Yeah, don't do it, don't do it." I didn't do it. So uh, was, in this match, the Garvin stomp kind of actually makes sense, I suppose. Because yeah, 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 Garvin stomp is a terrible, terrible move. <laughs> so this is the last time we'll see Ronnie Garvin, lads. Uh, he'd leave the WF in November and wrestle in the independents, including Smoky Mountain Wrestling, and would go into semi-retirement in 1993. Uh, one thing I have to say about Ronnie Garvin is he looks like a legitimate tough motherfucker. Yeah. From, you wouldn't want to fuck with him. From his face to the way he stands and his stature and that haircut, he just looks like he'd beat the piss out of you. Yeah. And he probably would. And to be fair, he went out on a high. Yeah. And, <laughs> like... The fact that the Royal Rumble is so loaded with top stars yeah. probably allowed this match to get more time this is than pu- it ever would This have is the only undercard ever. match that has any story or worth to it. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Really, like, the rest are all filler. How long was this? Like 14, 15 minutes? Uh, 16, 16, There is no way that this would have got that much in a WWE no, pay-per-view. In an order without the Royal Rumble. No way. Yeah, no way. And it, Not it at actually all. really worked out for them, so... 
when we last kind of reviewed stuff, we put Greg Valentine in the four Warsmen because yeah. he has had a lot of crap matches. And, and he's badly. actually in much better shape in this, yeah, in this show than he has been weird, in the yeah, past. Yeah, he's lost. Like, his gut is smaller and he yeah. just... Oh, fuck. Fuck it. Four Warsmen. <laughs> <laughs> so we go for a backstage interview with Mr. Perfect and he reveals... He's drawn number 30, the perfect number. Before we talk about your participation in the Royal Rumble, I want to talk about what we just saw here earlier on. A singles match between Brutus the Barber Beefcake and the Genius, and you obviously interfered. If you want to call that interference, you call it what you want. But I'm sick and tired of it. Every time Brutus the Barber Beefcake puts somebody to sleep, he thinks he can take advantage of them. Well, the genius happens to be a friend of mine. And now you know, Beefcake, what happens to friends of mine whoa, when whoa, they get in whoa. trouble. Wait a minute. Let's take a look at what happened specifically. You ran into the aid of the genius, and I couldn't believe it. You actually went outside and grabbed the chair, took a chair from ringside. What was going through your mind? I'll tell you what's going through my mind. Victory, the want to win. And that's exactly what I do every time I get in the ring. And I've turned some heads now in the World Wrestling Federation. Federation and Beefcake, you're another oh, reason, you're another God. excuse why Mr. Perfect is going to go all the way to the top in the World Wrestling Federation. You know, hair grows back, but Beefcake, your ribs, they may oh. not grow back the right way. That was totally uncalled for to the Royal Rumble. I'm sure you're going to have to deal with the likes of Brutus the Barber Beefcake later on. 30 of the greatest. What was the number, by the way, you drew? I drew the perfect number, and everybody knows the perfect number in the Royal Rumble is number 30. You and you bet I choose number 30. I pulled it right out. And I'm going to tell you something right now. As I'm standing here, the Royal Rumble is going to be just like everything else I've done in my life. Absolutely perfect. Right, so if you listen to that, you'll realize that Mr. Perfect is right in saying that how dare Beefcake cut Genius's hair like? That's more, that's classic. He's taking a, a page out of Hogan's book as like, I'm going to do a mad heelish thing, but I'll pretend to be a face anyway. You're, that's like, you know, cutting someone up. Like, he's, oh, I'm going to cut this lad's hair. It's like, that's heelish. You're making a and show. he hasn't even won the match either. No, no, he yeah. hasn't won the match. So I think Mr. Perfect is correct and brilliant. So I would agree with that. Yeah. yeah. So, um, we're about halfway through this pay-per-view. Not by time wise, but by match wise. Match wise, yeah. So what does it? What does that kind of mean, lads? What does that mean? I don't know. I don't know. I can't remember. Is it? Yeah, it Halftime history. Halftime history. <laughs> yes. So from our last pay per view, proper star proper pay per view. Excuse me, Starcade in mid December to this one in Royal Rumble in late January. The US number one is. How am I supposed to live without you? Like Michael Bowen. Oh my god. What a fucking banger. When I looked that up, I kind of sat there for like five minutes just going, Jesus. (laughs) Jesus. The Irish number one is nothing compares to you by Sinead O'Connor. That's great as well. Another cracker. Film wise, the box office number one was born on the 4th of July, starring Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise, yeah. Yeah. Other films released around the time The Driving Miss Daisy, Tango and Cash, Akira, and Tremors. And TV, uh, a number of shows debuted. Super Ted, I don't know if you remember Super Ted. I do remember Super Ted. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. One Foot in the Grave. No way. Victor Meldrew, Mr. Bean, and The Simpsons all debuted on television. Wow. Holy shit. So, yeah. That's pretty good lineup. Pretty good lineup. Good going, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The 90s is going to be a good decade. The, uh, the, the 90s is going to be a good <laughs> decade. 
a very short half time history there because we're only we're going over a new year period. Not a lot yeah, of shit happens. Quite enough, I suppose. Yeah, quite enough. Quite enough. So after that fucking straightener of a fucking match between Greg Valentine. Alright, before we get to this brother love thing, I'm just gonna need to uh... Yeah, you really are. Like oh. Oh, Jesus. So we get a brother love segment. And Brother Love hypes up Sherry Martell, who then comes out and joins him in the ring. And they both degrade Sapphire, who is Dusty Rhodes' new manager. Um, Sapphire then comes out to the ring, and they break her even more about her attire, her weight, her class. Like, basically, the they may as well have just used the N-word. The only thing they don't break is her race. Is her race. Yeah, basically. Like, but they were... They were like it was. It's kind of the way he says love instead of religion. Yeah. When they were calling her a peasant, I felt they were calling her yeah. like uh, you know. Yeah. They weren't. They were hinting at it, and um, I messaged you last, and I was like, "This is why a show like Evolution was necessary." <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's disgraceful. It is. It absolutely is disgraceful. Do you know yeah. what I mean? It's terrible. I wouldn't mind if if Sherry called out. If it was just Sherry calling out Sapphire and going, "I'm more woman than you." Blah blah yeah. blah. I wouldn't have hated it as much, but the fact that it's a bloke and Sherry, and it's not just saying. I'm more woman than you. They're, they're like Connor Fatso. Yeah, yeah. It's like fucking hell. These arseholes. There's actually, <laughs> I actually, there's nothing good to say about the segment. Zero good to there's say about the segment. To say about it. I yeah. suppose it's a sign of the times and they thought it would get heat, but... It did get heat, but that's only because... It's awful. Like, it's only because Dusty Rhodes is super fucking over. Yeah. But yeah. it really drags as well. It goes oh, way yeah. longer than it needed to. Like. Well longer than it needed to. Yeah, so after the... They berated her for fucking ages. Sapphire gets sick of it. Clatter Sherry in the head. So Randy Savage immediately runs out and grabs Sapphire by the chin, basically. Yeah, like he got, scrubs her. Yeah, he scrubs her. He's <laughs> going to hit her a fucking dig. But uh, Dusty Rhodes comes out to the to the rescue. They brawl outside and then Sapphire jumps off the apron on Randy Savage's back. And that gets a big fucking pop. They're, they're, the crowd love it. Savage and Sherry, they scarper. And Brother Love is left alone in the ring with Dusty, who gives him a big slam. And then... Sapphire hits him another smack and that's the end of the segment with the two faces standing tall but I dislike this an awful lot yeah, yeah. No, same here yeah it was ugh wasn't pleasant to watch you know it was it wasn't pleasant to watch but it also wasn't entertaining or no. didn't really have any value it no, was just zero value fucking wasting yeah. time because they had a pay-per-view window they needed to fill like, yeah, they could no put point. another match on in there though. Yeah. You know, yeah. like fill it with some actual fucking entertainment rather than this give Ronnie Garvin and Valentine like, another 12 minutes yeah, absolutely <laughs> it's just like the face off each other one of, them, uh, one of them would probably die if they gave yeah. him that more right so after that segment <sighs> sorry <laughs> we get a backstage interview with Hacksaw Jim Duggan hmm mm. Um, yeah, we get an interview with him. It's st- standard, Duggan, fair. You know yourself. Tough guy! Oh, uh, Right. So yeah, match number four is the Big Boss Man versus Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Um, Actually, sorry, I'll stop. I'll reverse. Brother Love, his haircut. Oh, yes. I'd call that a mullet, personally. Eh... Uh... It's I think if he took it out of the ponytail, it definitely is a mole. Yeah, yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll count. Okay. Let's do it, yeah. Number four. 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 Yeah, lovely. Big Boss Man versus Hacksaw Jim Duggan. No background again, like I said, the submission match the only one with any real substance to it with regards to a storyline. Things get wild early and spill outside where both men 
both man yeah sound <laughs> uh, both men taste the ring post the brawling continues back in the ring and the boss man seizes control after hitting an enziguri boss man beats up Duggan while Shivani on commentary asks why does he bring a nightstick to the ring to which Jesse responds well why does Duggan bring a two by four fucking right and Tony answers well it's his trademark yeah cheers pal you <laughs> fucking idiot so Slick gets in some shots behind the ref's back as the beating continues for a number of minutes Duggan gets in offence here and there but nothing major Bossman misses a splash off the top rope and both men are down. They get up, shoulder tackle each other and do another double down spot mere seconds later. Slick passes the nightstick to Bossman who gets caught using it on Duggan and the ref disqualifies Bossman just past six minutes. I'll be honest here lads. The brawling in the first, let's say, two minutes. Jesus, this could be a good match. These two lads are going at it fast and heavy, like cracking each other's shots, thrown into the ring post, all that sort of thing. And then when it got back inside, it just, they, yeah. they put it back into fucking... Duggan land. You know, gear yes, exactly. That's yeah. exactly what it was. Duggan land, yeah. It, it was revving up, it was in fourth gear, and then they decided to just... I thought Boss Man was class in this in this match. Yeah. He was very good. I thought he was, like, very nimble. Very, He's that, very nimble for the size yeah, of him. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. Enziguri fucking... Beautiful. Blew my mind. Yeah. <laughs> um, there was a bit where he went for that splash, and for whatever reason, the camera cut away. And it just got the yeah. land. I like to think in my head that he did a phoenix splash. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, he did. Yeah. No, but he was like, 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 like. it was probably one of the matches that I enjoyed most this evening. Like yeah, well, like discounting the Royal Rumble, there was lots of good stuff that went on there, and it was purely because of the boss man. Like you know, he's fucking yeah. Like a lot of no, not all of his offense, but a lot of Duggan's offense was kind of it didn't make sense. Like, there's a point where Bossman puts on a bear hug, and I hate the bear hug, and... That's terrible. Duggan, like, you know, claps him in the head, which makes sense getting over. But there's other points in time when it's, like, he's getting battered, and he'll just randomly swing and start hitting Bossman. So, like, it just doesn't make sense in the match. Like, it's not a an organic comeback. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, in the Bushwhackers match, he gets the knees up for the splash. Of course, uh, yeah, You know, yeah. or, or, like, in uh, even in the Beefcake match, Beefcake, like, gets a high knee here or something like that when... Or he it's moves, out, like he moves out of the way of something, yeah. but Duggan just starts swinging back like it's. It's almost like he's thinking, "This is my turn to not sell." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it probably all makes sense yeah. if you've been smoking crack with the Sheik, though. So. Oh yeah. Also in that bear hug spot, Duggan just falls over, <laughs> and like boss man because he's holding on to him, falls, falls with him. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> you can tell it wasn't not meant to happen at all. All the other matches previous to this have been over ten minutes. Yeah. This felt like ages, and yeah. it was only six and a bit. Like. Did you feel that or am I No, I, I felt that too. Um, the ending of it just... I don't understand why Duggan's matches can never end in a fucking Pinfall. victory. Yeah, one for way either way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, It's always a DQ with a stupid fucking... He yeah. never wins. He never loses. He's always he kind actually of never wins or loses, without yeah. doing anything. Like. Yeah. Well, why does he have copyright on the whole USA chant as well? Like, <laughs> oh, I'll get on to that. Let me, let me get on to that now in a minute. So after the match, Duggan attacks both Bossman and Slick with his 2 by 4 and then starts a USA chant. Despite the fact that the big Bossman is from Georgia, with, yeah. which at this point in time has been a part of the USA for 202 years. <laughs> <laughs> it was the fourth state declared a state. Like, yeah, that's yeah, really yeah. early that's a, in that, the 50 that's states. A long time ago. Do you know what I mean? And he's Fuck a fucking off. US law enforcer. He he actually does more for the United yeah, States exactly than, than Duggan does. Yeah. Jim Duggan. Yeah. Who the fuck cares about Jim Duggan? Sorry. We does just he, he doesn't even have a mullet, does he? Like, he just does nothing. Nah, he us. could have a mullet, but he just won't have one. What a prick. So now we get 
promos from literally every (laughs) participant in the Rumble who we haven't seen yet. That's a bit fucking ridiculous, isn't it? Like, come well, on. Well, apart from the fact that, like, I'd say 90% of the lads who were talking through those promos were fucking coked out of their mind. Yep. All it served any, to do was... Any, did any of them stand out yeah. to you? Come on. I was going to say, all it served to do was just highlight Jake's promo because it was fucking deadly because he wasn't going rusher. He, he was wasn't just going talking yeah, exactly quietly it, yeah. and think going, also, oh, yeah. Also, obviously, Michaels would get better in time, but... The Rockers are bad at promos. Oh, yeah, really Especially Marty Jannetty. Yeah, no, Mar- well, he's the Marty Mar- Jannetty. Jannetty was never good at promos, though. No, he's I don't believe he so. He's never done, he's never done a like good... That. Yeah, guys, we're going to go do it. Yeah. And then uh, we're going to win. Yeah, rock and roll. I like the Hard Foundations promo. That was nice. Cause, yeah, like, yeah. You know, you had, Bret Hart shouting had, is a rarity. Yeah, yeah but like yeah, shouting yeah. to Cam Anvil. Cam Anvil, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that was class. Yeah, that was pretty cool. I like... Obviously, you like the Warriors promo because he made a lot of coherent points. Well, <laughs> let me tell you, let when, walk while, is normal. Well, what he did, well, what he said was absolutely bananas. It was at least decipherable with my ears. Jimmy Snooker may as well have just been chewing oh, on actually, fucking... I couldn't understand <laughs> the second what, half what, what, of what he said. What, what, That's literally... Yeah, and it was over. A <laughs> Royal Rumble. I know it's everybody for himself. But let me tell you something else, people. Back in Ireland, when we go fishing with them sharks, I know it's loaded around with everybody. Royal Rumble! Woof! 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 Jesus, me. I, I did no spend... No wonder you murdered someone. Your brain doesn't work. <laughs> we did spend the majority of the Warriors promo just thinking he couldn't count and he thought 28 plus 1 made 30. So did I. And then and he then fucking swerved me. Yeah, yeah. He was like, but there is one person who's almost on par with the Warrior and it's... What, that was fucking deadly. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And also for what it's going to build into, yeah. it's fucking cool. Yeah, because I was thinking, Warrior can't count. And then he pulled out the Hogan card. I was like, uh, he got Warrior, he got he me. Got he got me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> couple of, and a couple of other things. I thought Randy Savage was good, but I thought I think everything Randy Savage does yeah. is good. Yeah, yeah, I, agree. Uh, I thought Bad News Brown was pretty decent. It's Bad News Brown was a surprising. I was yeah, very surprised. Yeah, it, was, um, it was really good. Hercules called it the Rumble Royal. I don't know if you caught <laughs> no, that. No, I didn't hear that. Of course he did. And have you ever seen a man with more oil on his skin than Hulk Hogan in that promo? He was. You could actually like do your hair in the reflection off his pecs. Uh, maybe ravishing Rick Rude, to be fair. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but if it, because Rick Rude isn't tanned, it doesn't look as bad. I feel. Yeah, yeah. it's it's strange. He was, times. he was like snorting at the end of it as well, as a, like a bull. Hogan. Like, oh yeah, yeah. Of course, it's Hulk Hogan. Ladies and gentlemen, it is now time for the Royal Rumble. So after all that greasy, shouty, oily promoing. We get on to the main event of the evening, the Royal Rumble match. We already know that number one is the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase. And number two is Coco Beware, who is sporting a new hairdo, which is yeah, pretty really cool. Good. Like I thought his look was great. Yeah, His look was class. Yeah, he, looked, yeah. he looked pretty cool. DiBiase jumps Coco immediately and beats him around the ring. Coco fights back with a drop kick and headbutts, but then gets back body dropped over the top rope after just 96 seconds. I think the Fink had a great moment here when DiBiase is coming out and he yeah. announces him as the, the man who drew 30 last year. I really enjoyed that. So number three, it's blatantly not two minutes because like the minute Coco goes out, they start the yeah, 10 yeah, second count. Yeah. So number three is Marty Jannetty. 
Gennetti unloads his high flying offence early but winds up missing a crossbody and flying over the top rope to the outside after just 95 seconds. Which was really nice. The way yeah, it was done it. really well. And also, you said he's number three but he's really number five because he's the fifth person with a mod. Oh, oh, ding, ding, ding. Ooh. Number four is Jake the Snake Roberts mullet. Uh, bad hairline mullet? Yeah, okay. bad hairline mullet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah okay. Give it to him. But Give also, to him. Oh, oh, Roberts and DiBiase had been feuding after WrestleMania 5, so this is kind of cool to see a rumble being booked around various storylines. Definitely. I think, like, yeah, the fact I have that, a lot to like, say you know, about this rumble. The first two people got eliminated real quick, and everyone's like, oh, fuck, DiBiase's doing really well. And then Jake's music hits, and they're like, they pop for Jake coming out. They brawl outside before heading back in where Jake hits the short arm clothesline but DiBiase powers out of the DDT attempt. Number five is Randy Savage. Savage and DiBiase beat up Jake basically for the two minute period. Number six is Rowdy Roddy Piper. Is that not mad though? Like they have like arguably four of their biggest stars out in the, like yeah. in the yeah. first ten. Like, you yeah. know, I, I, was actually, I was sitting there thinking... That's an interesting move. Yeah, I, mean, I, I was cool sitting thing. there going, wrestling's deadly. <laughs> Look at these lads. Like, what a collection of deadly characters. I would also like to point out that like, in previous Royal Rumbles, there had been plenty of people that we were all like, some fucking... Jabron. Guy, some Jabron. Yeah. Fucking knew every single person on this Oh, yeah. Like, star you know, after star, star after, after star. star. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was fucking Which deadly. is why there wasn't much of an undercard, to be fair. But. Yeah. So number six, like I said, is Rowdy Roddy Piper. Piper takes out the heels with a double clothesline and frees Jake who has been tangled in the ropes. Savage and Piper go back and forth almost eliminating each other. Number 7. The Warlord. Warlord and Piper go at it while DiBiase and Savage get Jake about halfway over the top. Number 8. How big is the Warlord? Oh he's, oh, he's huge. huge compared yeah, to he's these fucking lads, huge. He's like the size of three elephants or something. He's, he's fucking massive. a monster. So number 8 is Brett the Hitman Hart who comes out to a very good pop. Yeah. Does he have a mullet though? No. I'm going to say no hair. personally. Yeah. So he ducks a DiBiase punch and the Million Dollar Man accidentally floors Savage and all six men continue to brawl. Number nine is Bad News Brown. So as Bad News is coming out, Jake hits DiBiase with another short arm clothesline but this time when he goes for the DDT, Savage clotheslines him over the top rope eliminating him. Oh no. But number ten is Dusty Rhodes. Massive fucking pop. Yeah. Rhodes. Massive. Serious pop. Probably pop. like the biggest pop of the night. Oh, Dusty Rhodes did work a lot in Florida. Yeah. Back in the day. Yeah, so. but he owned um, Championship Wrestling yeah. from Florida, so he's but, big in Florida. Yeah, yeah. That was a very big pop. Um, so Rhodes goes right after Savage with punches and elbows. Bad news saves Savage, but when Savage runs at Dusty, he gets eliminated with a huge back body drop over the top rope. It was fucking. Dip. Randy Savage? Yeah. Oh my yeah. god. <laughs> that was the most amazing thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> it, literally, it was like going over the top of a swing set. Mm. <laughs> you know? <laughs> it was fairly crazy. And uh, his gear in this rumble, like it's changed a lot since it's we very seen different. It's yeah. like a Hawaiian yeah. short or something. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's weird. It's pretty cool and unique. It is. Number 11 is Andre the Giant, who immediately gets in and just hip tosses the Warlord out in mere seconds. It's kind of to show Warlord's the biggest motherfucker in there and Andre can just yeah, horse yeah, him out easy him. peasy. Now, before I tell you who number 12 is... Mm, what else do you want to tell us about? I want to tell you who fucking... Uh, fucking a lovely can. Oh! Hold on, hold Lovely can. What's lovely? Number 12 is... Would one of you like to tell me who number 12 is? Is it... The Red Rooster? Oh, it is. Yeah, that's who I was. Yeah, definitely. Who was number 12, though? 
tell me who he is. Tell me who he is. The Red Rooster. <laughs> he also has a mullet. Yeah, he does. And it is the Red Rooster. That's number five or six? Six. Six. Number Four. six in our heart. Yes. Number 12 is the Red Rooster. And as he's coming out, Piper eliminates Bad News with a backdrop out of the ring. But a pissed off Bad News hops back on the apron and drags Piper over the top rope by the hair, eliminating him. They brawl all the way to the back. Again, more booking around storylines, yep, individual storylines. Definitely, and even cool. if it, even if the fact that you know essentially Piper didn't get eliminated by a, you know, yeah, he didn't legitimately get eliminated. Yeah. He ended up brawling, and he went on with it like yeah. So he's, so he's gone. Done. He's like, gone. Yeah, but worked very well, I thought. Yeah, number thirteen is Axe. So as Axe enters, the Red Rooster e- exits at the hands of Andre. Axe goes straight after Andre since Andre and Haku took their demolitions tag team titles. DiBiase teeters on the cusp of elimination by Brett. While Axe and Dusty tie up Andre and beat on him. DiBiase was almost eliminated so many fucking yeah. times. Fair play to him for this entire... Like, fair yeah. Play. yeah. Unbelievable. He's the Iron Man here. Absolutely. He's, he's, absolutely. he's brilliant. Number 14 is Haku. So Haku saves his partner Andre going straight after Axe and Dusty. And the six competitors in the ring continue to brawl. Number 15 is Smash to even the odds. So Smash evens the odds and Demolition go at it with the Colossal Connection. While Hart again almost eliminates DiBiase. Smash has a mullet. Smash does have a mullet. Did Piper have a mullet at this stage? I'm going to say yes. Nah, he's got bangs. I think he, I'm going to say yes. Oh. He's got bangs. Okay, he doesn't. Okay, okay. So we're still on, we're on seven then. Yeah, seven yeah with no, Smash. I think that's fair. Sorry, guys. Entrance no, number 16 is Akeem the African Dream. <laughs> Terrible. He's brilliant though. Like. He has a mullet. So... Bret Hart is eliminated by a back elbow from Dusty and Demolition eliminate Andre with a double clothesline from behind. And we get number 17, Superfly Jimmy Snooker. Woo, woo, woo. Sorry, that's what you did. Bark, 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 bark. Uh, it doesn't even know flies don't bark. Um, so Akeem meets Snooker on the way in and beats him down. While Akeem taunts the crowd, Snooker hits him with a flying headbutt from behind and eliminates him. Number 18, the world's strongest man, Dino Bravo. So Demolition... So demolition double team DiBiase and try to eliminate him. Well, he comes out more dog shit. Did you say? Is it white dog shit? Oh, white dog shit. Yeah, <laughs> he is pretty much dog shit. I found it interesting that when Hogan was doing his interview, like going, it doesn't matter if yeah. it's this person or this person. The first person he identifies is Dino. Yeah, yeah. It's like yeah. what the fuck? Not Randy Savage. Not Ultimate Warrior. Not Roddy Piper. Obviously, it doesn't matter if it's Dino Bravo. He's a white piece of shit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> white dog shit. Dino Bravo. Number nineteen is Earthquake. Earthquake goes right after Dusty and eliminates him. Then Demolition goes after Earthquake, but he just picks Axe up like a baby and dumps him over the top rope. I thought that was pretty cool. Earthquake has a skull. He does. Definitely has a skull. Yeah, number yeah. eight. Number eight. <laughs> number 20 is Jim the Anvil Neidhart, who also gets a deadly pop. Five men, Neidhart, Haku, Snooker, Smash and DiBiase, all team up on Earthquake, pick him up and throw him to the floor. Then we get number 21, the Ultimate Warrior. Yes, Warrior no sells Bravo's offense and back body drops him out. And Warrior and Neidhart take turns chopping the shit out of DiBiase before going after each other. Number twenty two is the model Rick Martel. Uh, mullet. Did yeah. Warrior have mullet? In no, this time? he no, had like a big, kind of He's got like it. that uh, hairspray, yeah. hair metal hair. So, so Rick Martel's nine. mullet is number eight. Nine. No, nine. Nine. Yeah. We just sorry. did number eight. So, sorry. Duh. Duh. Number eight. Duh. <laughs> uh, number nine. Excuse me. So Smash is thrown over the ropes by Haku but lands on the apron. Haku then hits him with a super kick to get the elimination. 
pretty nice elimination. Neidhart throws Martel over, but he clings on with one hand and makes it back inside. Number 23 is Tito Santana. Arriba! Santana and his former tag team partner Martel go back and forth. Of course, that storyline just never ends. They always never go for ends. each other. They hate it's each dead. other. Number 24 is the Honky Tonk Man, who I'm going to be honest, I kind of forgot he existed. Yeah, he hasn't been around for a while. He hasn't. Done, no. like he has. He's been on every pay-per-view, but I just kind of was like, oh yeah. Did we... Uh... Did we skip mullet there with Tito, yeah? Yeah. ハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハ
Uh, what do you think Vince was doing backstage when he heard the crowd reaction for Warrior and Hogan? Oh, Counting his dollars, his like bags were around his knees. Oh, no, he, he was, was definitely pulling, fucking, pulling, yeah, pulling, <laughs> pulling the dick. Well, I have something else on Vince's. I we'll go, we'll get there. Oh, we'll get we'll there. Get there. Right. Rude is number twenty-eight, although no official entry. Uh, he puts a beating on his longtime rival, the Ultimate Warrior, while Barbarian beats on the Hulkster. The heels attempt to eliminate Warrior and have him halfway out when Hogan hooks up and hits them from behind with a double clothesline. But this causes the Warrior to be eliminated. Warrior jumps back in, clotheslines the two heels, and then runs off like a madman up the entranceway. Of course. If you hark back to the last Royal Rumble, Hogan attacked a heel trying to eliminate Randy Savage, and Randy Savage ended up getting eliminated. So he's a big cunt, isn't he? He, he is, he's a massive have, cunt. Uh, he does oh, yeah. have previous with this. Yeah. But then again, like, mm. Warrior wasn't exactly his mate. They were just two good lads. Yeah, it wasn't like Randy Savage. It wasn't very, yeah. yeah, true. The one yeah. last year was a lot worse. Yeah, it was. Number 29 is Hercules, the mighty Hercules. There he is now. So yeah, the pace slows down. <laughs> uh, typical, yeah, of course it does. Yeah, because Hercules is out there. Uh, you know, your typical rumble style brawling. So then number 30, the perfect number, Mr. Perfect. Here he out. is. Oh, he's so so perfect. perfect sprints to the ring and goes right after Hogan. We're down to the final five, Mr. Perfect, Hulk Hogan, Rick Rude, Hercules and the Barbarian. Barbarian charges Hercules who backdrops him over the top. Perfect drop kicks Hercules and Rude follows up with a clothesline to eliminate him. Rude and Perfect try to double team Hogan, but they misfire and Rude levels Perfect, sending him out to the apron. Hulk whips Rude to the ropes, but Perfect is inadvertently pulling down the top rope to climb back to his feet, which causes Rude to fly out of the ring and be eliminated. I thought that was a nice little spot. It was a nice spot, right? Right now I'm going to talk to you about this main event feud. Perfect had been slating Hogan in promo since early October of 89. And on the November 25th episode of Saturday Night's Main Event, like I previously mentioned, the genius, with help from Mr. Perfect, defeated Hulk Hogan via countout when Mr. Perfect attacked Hogan with the world title belt behind the ref's back. Perfect and Genius then stole the world title belt and destroyed it with a hammer backstage. He had a belt in his promo. Oh, did he? Yeah, he had oh, like a, yeah. a very a very classic Attitude Era looking belt. Oh, right, yeah. So maybe, that, maybe that was the new one. Maybe that was yeah, the new one then. Yeah. Yeah. He smashed up yeah. the old one. So Perfect versus Hogan headlined the house shows for the remainder of the year. Vince's original plan when he nixed the Zeus idea was for Hogan to drop the belt to Perfect... And for Perfect to job the belt to Warrior at WrestleMania 6. Well. But Hogan vetoed the idea as he would. Obviously he wants to headline because he's Hulk Hogan. So Perfect beats on Hogan. Before H- Hogan hooks up. Hits a series of clotheslines. And throws Perfect out to win the Royal Rumble. At 58 minutes and 46 seconds. Then following this on the February 12th episode of Primetime Wrestling. Perfect defeated Hogan by disqualification in a world title match. Ending their feud and moving both men into their respective feuds with... The Warrior and Beefcake for WrestleMania. I have a lot of feelings about this Royal Rumble, if I'm being perfectly honest. Tell me about them, Dave. I think that any sort of Rumble, it's not really about the in-ring action, isn't mm. it? Not like it's 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 like you're never going to get the fucking amazing. You've got nine lads in a ring. It's hard to do. Lads, yeah, 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 yeah. Fucking beat the shit out of each other in the same sixteen by sixteen area. Yeah. What they did with this Rumble was some fucking excellent storytelling I thought yeah. like they had all the dynamicism from the, from start to finish of this person this person this person this person and they carried it out excellently throughout the whole thing yeah. you know and then throughout that whole thing knitted through it was Ted DiBiase who had bought position number 30 last year and he yeah. came in at number one and he still proved the fact that he's deadly he's fucking class <laughs> absolutely class and overall, that was the general impression that I was left with from this rumble, but I was still very pissed off that Hogan no-sold the perfect plex. 
and then yeah. started fucking and then just fucked him out of the ring. Just literally, he literally, I, did, he I didn't mention that. Fucking lift him over the head. He just fucked him out of the ring. Yeah. Like, there was no need for it. Like, I, I didn't no soul this finisher because I was a bit salty about it. I'm I'm very salty about it. Like. <laughs> I just thought, I thought that's what they're looking for though at the end of the day, isn't it? Like you know, I mean, like thirty years later, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's cliched, but. There was no need for Hogan to win this match. No, like, absolutely not. It's not like not. it was a title shot on the line and no. he's already the champion. Like, why? I think they should. I know. I think they should have. Obviously, hindsight is twenty twenty. But yeah, like, yeah. and I know they didn't bring in the whole winner gets the main event slot, yeah, mania, yeah. whatever. But Warrior winning would have been grand. Like, if, if the plan was here, maybe they didn't have the plan finalized. But if the plan was here for it to be Hogan and Warrior. Yeah, should have been Hogan winning. Yeah, or sorry, Warrior, Warrior winning. Warrior winning. Maybe even Warrior eliminating Hogan and him going... Or um, even you know. if they want Perfect and Hogan to build up to this main event feud. Yeah. Just have Perfect go over by cheating and then Hogan yeah, well, gets his revenge yeah. by Hello? beating him in a like, one-one match. Like, it's not on yeah. a fucking... Why does have Hogan a, need they to can win do a brawl. They can do a brawl like Bad News and Piper did. Distract the referees and Perfect gets eliminated but the refs don't see it. And then he comes and back, he comes in, back and in and yeah. fucking pulls tight or something. Do, yeah, knows, does something. Whatever. Yeah, use the weapon or something, man. Yeah, yeah. Ah, but sure. Hogan it's, has it's, to win again. Twenty years later, we can't really change it. No, no, we can't. But we're, we're just giving our ideas. To, yeah, yeah. yeah. I really enjoyed the rumble. So you, you enjoyed the rumble. Yeah, yeah. Good. Very good. Very like, good. Yeah. One of the one of the like best rumbles I've seen. To be honest, I yeah, thought it was really good, it was yeah. really enjoyable. Very different to the last year's one where they just did no much better. Yes. And they put John Stud over for nothing for yeah. no reason whatsoever. Yeah. Like yeah, terrible, terrible stuff. I like the inlay. Of the oh, the last people running down that's the that was you know that yeah. that shows the production is, quality yeah, improvement as well. The like, ring you know? skirts, everything about this, yeah. it was good. Ring skirts before they were just blue and they had a small banner with the logo yeah. on it, but now they have a full, a full Royal Rumble one. As I said, the longest in there was Ted DiBiase at forty-four minutes forty-seven seconds, which was a new longevity record. Mm-hmm. Uh, the shortest time was Shawn Michaels with twelve seconds. Did you ever think? Sean Michaels would have a, the the least time in a Royal Rumble. Like. He did make up for being the first lad to come in number one and do it. But, yeah. You know, yeah, that's true. The most eliminations were both Hogan and Warrior who had six eliminations each. So, man of the match, are, are we all agreeing it's probably DiBiase? It has to be, I, yeah. I would say it's definitely DiBiase. Okay. Uh, so, finances, average ticket price. Gives you our guesses, yeah. $40. $30. $30. <laughs> Final answer, 15 <laughs> Twenty nine. <laughs> no, $10.62. Like, always overestimate. Yeah. Uh, but again, like, you're just thinking of a front row seat. I'm talking the average, so from the oh, snow's okay, place. Yeah, yeah. Which chain, which is roughly $20.50 in 2018, which is okay. Which resulted in a gate of $170,000. It did a buy rate of 2.0, which is about 260,000 boys, which is 125,000 less than Survivor Series did, mm-hmm. but almost 100,000 more than the previous Royal Rumble. And 135,000 more than WCW's last pay-per-view outing, Starcade. Yeah, but then, I suppose you think about it as well, there's no title matches on this and mm. there's nothing really at stake for yeah. winning the Royal Rumble, exactly. so... You're just watching matches, aren't you? Like, yeah. It's not, yeah. Best match, worst match, spot of the night. I think best match was definitely purely out of, from an entertainment factor, it's going to be Garvin and Valentine. Mm. Yeah, like I, that was the one I most enjoyed. Closely followed, God help me, by uh, Big Boss Man and fucking really, yeah, definitely. You're I thought, mad. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, I think Boss Man is class, okay. man. Right. I think he's fucking deadly. He for the he size is, yeah. of him, he's but the match, the match, oh, really, okay, okay. Now I know. I guess I maybe I was just like 
sitting there looking at boss man and being like this guy's class and then yeah. just getting kind of getting enamored with it like you know but yeah no i think definitely uh garvin and valentine was the most entertaining by a long shot for yeah. me spot of the night was goes definitely to randy savage getting eliminated that revved my engine to know <laughs> that was, um, i was like it was like oh <gasps> Like it was, yeah. just, it was like this slow motion thing that went on. Like you know, it was just absolutely fucking brilliant. I loved it. My match of the night. I'm probably gonna go for the rumble, for the reasons you gave earlier about why you liked this match and the fact that. Oh, we're not allowed. I, I, we're allowed to count the rumble. Oh, are we? Or, yeah, would you have picked that then? I probably would have. Okay. Yeah. Then we unfair. Okay. Okay. Thirty lads against. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Then excluding the rumble, uh, I'm gonna agree with you. And the submission match was just. Oh, what was your worst match? Uh, oh, worst match. Yeah. Um, Forgot. There's, there's a good bit that you'll, uh, it would probably be the Bushwhackers and the Rougeaus, okay. to be honest. Like, right. I think the Bushwhackers and the Rougeaus, that was a fairly um, bog standard yeah. tag match. Decently executed yeah. without any sort of extra anything to it. Yeah, I think that would probably be yeah. my worst match for them. I'd say I'm going to disagree with you on everything there. Best match was that submission match because wasn't even a technical wrestling submission match. It was just a fucking battery each other match, like a fucking straightener incorporated. Yeah, it really was just a straightener. Like. Yeah. It was yeah. just, let's batter each other, because fuck it. Nothing else I can really add besides the clatter the piss out of each other. Worst match, I really hate Duggan. I really didn't like that first tag team match either, though. <laughs> I don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna pick Bossman and Duggan. Bossman is good, and I agree with what you're saying. He's very nimble. For the man his size, he does some extraordinary things but I think uh, d- Jim Duggan's uh, such a cunt yeah he ruins it. he's like a, he's <laughs> he just everything. he does he's like a can. he's like a, a vacuum he's an entertainment vacuum so the big boss man comes out here with this fucking charisma and skill and moveset <laughs> Duggan just saps it all up yeah, and ruins it for like, you <laughs> fucking yeah so that's my worst match spot of the night is that elimination there's nothing I can add except he just fucking Cirque du Soleil himself he really, like ring. it was unbelievable <laughs> you know what I mean oh unbelievable Cirque du Soleil <laughs> right well I've got nothing really to add uh, <laughs> match of the night Ronnie Garvin beating the absolute piss out of Greg Valentine worst match of the night gonna have to totally disagree with Dave actually because I don't know what match you were watching I just fucking saw Jim Duggan being a cunt <laughs> <laughs> I think I just got excited for uh, a boss man, man you know? <laughs> yeah. no actually the match like to be fair it wasn't bad but like you're only picking between four matches and just yeah. the end of it the fact that fucking Duggan can never have a definitive end to any yeah. match mm-hmm. really pissed me off so for that reason I'm saying that's the worst match okay and then uh Spot of the night. Can't really choose anything other than uh, Randy Savage elimination. But <laughs> if if I was to say something that's not exactly a spot, but a highlight of the night for yeah. me, say uh, Jake's interview was fucking dead. Oh, yeah, fantastic. that was cool. Final thoughts on the pay per view overall. Would you recommend it? Would you tell people to fuck off? Whatever. I thought it was um, enjoyable. It wouldn't yeah. be the first pay per view that I'd recommend from the early years of pay per views to someone. Yeah. It would probably be one that I'd recommend to a fan. Oh, yeah. One of the things that I really enjoyed about watching this show over the past few years of us doing this and over the, we've watched from 83 to now, like, was that I, I know I, I know who he is. I know who yeah, he is, yeah. which is something that I hadn't really experienced for yeah, a long yeah. time. Like, you know, I was like, 
Okay, yeah, no, I know, I know, I know what the story is here, I know what the story is here, I know who this guy is, and oh, here he comes, like, you know, yeah. which is pretty fucking cool to me, and that I enjoyed that yeah. part of it. But in saying that, and I also have a, another view of life, I'm Ted DiBiase as well. Fucking <laughs> that I come. I've always liked him, I've always yeah, liked him, yeah. but I never really, I never got the, the big deal about yeah, him. That yeah. was fucking deadly. That was fucking class. Yeah, he really went for it, didn't he? I'd probably recommend it to a fan. Not like you'd recommend the fucking Great American Bash 89. There you go. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like it was a very easy watch and apart from the Brother Love segment. Oh yeah, Jesus. Was, oh uh, shit, yeah, we haven't talked enough about that. It was oh, um, I think we have. <laughs> <laughs> we've given it more than enough airtime, yeah. And it was it was easy and most of it was enjoyable as Dave said like nostalgia and the yeah. characters and all the larger than life kind of stuff if I was going to recommend someone to watch something for work rate I probably wouldn't recommend this show yeah. but if I was going to say to someone who wants to have a few cans and have a good time I'd yeah. say watch Ronnie Garvin and Greg Valentine and then watch the Royal Rumble and just have a ball because yeah, it's just yeah, a load yeah. of lads that you know that you're familiar with and it's just really enjoyable uh, not much I can add to that I'd agree that like Someone, someone who's a fan, you'd go watch that submission match and watch that Royal Rumble. Yeah, absolutely. Especially if you were to go on to, let's say, like we will eventually watch WrestleMania six, and you can see WrestleMania being pieced together here. Yeah, it's pretty cool thing to see. They're, they're, you can see they're thinking longer term. Yeah, they're booking a they're, much they're longer term. More yeah. in advance. I assume Pat Patterson was booking this Royal Rumble, or at least involved. Yeah, in uh, yeah, it was. The like they didn't have a fucking creative team full of fucking Hollywood failures at this point. It was. <laughs> uh, it, was um, it was a Vince Pat Patterson, James J. Dillon, and Brother Love, aka Bruce Pritchard, had yeah. a small hand in it. So it's basically them three or four lads just. Yeah booking it and coming up with ideas and doing all sorts of things like that and they did really well they did really yeah. well yeah. Very, very good I wonder was James J. Dillon behind that fucking submission match because he's an NWA man <laughs> listen lads kill each other just let them hit each other yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's Royal Rumble 1990 yeah, the first no. pay-per-view of the 90s in the bag I enjoyed it yeah. I'm kind of surprised that Sting the man of the 90s didn't win the Royal Rumble yeah <laughs> um, next time round we're back in WCW for Wrestle War 1990 with the pay-per-view debuts of two of the most iconic wrestlers of all time um, one of them was arguably top five they had the most iconic match of the Attitude Era against each other can you guess <laughs> the Rock and Stone Cold is the most iconic no, match the most no the the match Taker yeah and Triple H? No. Mankind? Yeah. Okay, Hell in the Cell was? Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. I said arguably. I didn't say yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> well, you're oh, totally you know, wrong. You know that match you showed to people? Look at this. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Look at this fucking yeah. huge Mean Mark and Cactus Jack. Yeah. Mean. Just uh, cut out all those guesses and just add my my last guess oh, yeah. in there. <laughs> <laughs> no problem, Dave. Uh, I won't. <laughs> Little hard yeah, punch. Yeah, so... Uh, <laughs> The Undertaker before he's The Undertaker and Cactus Jack, yeah. Among some other kill matches on that show and uh, that'll be good. We'll enjoy ourselves. Yes, but till then, we will see you then or we will see you on another time. <laughs> One of those fucking things. Is that, is that right? That's, um, I love you man, isn't it? Is it? Oh, it is, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I love you, Catch Dad. you later on the Menji. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he says. Boy, boy. <laughs> good luck. See you later. Slam.
Matheus, the social media. The media? 